Greetings. Hello and welcome. The archival recording you are about to hear was sourced from live streaming audio in an effort to expand content reach. I have decided to repurpose the show as an audio podcast. I have done my best to remaster the audio quality for your ears, but I have chosen to leave its content and length unedited, so you may hear reference to visual cues not described in said audio. If you would like to see the original live streaming video podcast this recording comes from, please head over to youtube.com slash C slash Frumis Films LLC or just search Frumis, F-R-U-M-E-S-S. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Audio from episode to episode will also vary in quality. Sorry about that. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Jeff from us. We've talked many times before about the transition from Sam Hain to Danzig. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it as I'm saying it right now. I'm thinking about how is the transformation from the Misfits to Sam Hain different from the transformation that was Sam Hain to Danzig? And I think, I, I think for, for starters, there, there are two things to, to take note of. The first thing is that and I love, uh, Devil Man always says this from the seventh house. You guys know Devil Man. He always talks about, and other people have too, that for Glenn Danzig, it's just a progression of Glenn Danzig songwriting. Every band is a vehicle for Glenn Danzig songwriting. Glenn Danzig changes his sound and his songwriting, and the band changes with it. And that's it. So, in a weird kind of way, you know, the Danzig of 1998 is just a continuation of the Misfits from 1979 all the way through with Glenn Danzig, singer, songwriter, you know, uh, front man being the sole driving force of the band, at least maybe in Glenn's mind. Who knows? Who knows what goes on in that man's head? I shudder to think. I think some of us all shudder to think. Um, and then with Sam Hain, maybe it's a little bit more targeted because, you know, we were talking the other week, we were talking about Archangel and how, you know, Archangels, it's like a, it's a, it's like a Dave Vanian solo song, or it was supposed to be for Dave Vanian. It maybe was written with Dave Vanian in mind. And so it, it wasn't necessarily going to be Sam Hain at that moment. But at some point, Glenn is starting to write songs very specifically for this Sam Hain type project. Someone <laughs> left me a, uh, a a silly little comment about, well, <laughs> well don't you know what it started? Don't you know how he got, uh, what it started? I can't talk right now. Concentration's off. Um, but but, you know, even if Glenn maybe didn't have a name for Sam Hain when he started writing Sam Hain songs, he had an idea of what where he was going. He was heading 
in this darker sort of territory, more post-punk. We've talked, again, uh, like so much redundancy, so much, um, what's up, mom? How are you? Uh, so much redundancy and, you know, uh, uh, overlapping from episode to episode. I, I get sick of hearing it. I don't know about you guys. But the reason why I bring all that up is because I think the transition from Sam Hain to Danzig was not as well. I think that was a, a journey of discovery. Unlike Sam Hain, Misfits to Sam Hain, Glenn is going, he's going, oh yeah, I think I'm going to go do this now. Yeah, that's, you know, it, it, this felt like this is not the same thing. It's more of like a journey of discovery. This is what we are becoming. I don't think when they played the final Sam Hain show that they knew they were going to end up being Danzig. And we know that because there was supposed to be a fourth Sam Hain album. Uh, and the first thing I want to take a look at, we're working our way up to the Danzig video, by the way, if you didn't read the title of the video. We're going to be talking and watching and commentating about that. So, <laughs> so here's the other amazing thing. And this has been going around the Facebook chat group. It was funny. We were talking about how Misfit Central used to be the place to go. And now it's all in Facebook chat groups. Well, in Facebook chat groups, particularly the seventh house, again, shout out to Devil Man, Devil Man posted this in the in the seventh house, and he posted it at such a serendipitous time because I was thinking about talking about the Danzig video as a buffer between the the Devil Lock pageant episodes, and it just so happened to be one of these amazing correspondences because what Glenn would do during the Fiend Club during whatever is that he would, um. First time this week hearing about the blood show. I need. Oh no, we're not talking about the blood show now. No, sorry. Uh, someday. I thank you. Thank you for joining us. Welcome. Um. I mean, here's the amazing thing about correspondence. Historically speaking, even in the outside of the context that that we're going to be discussing with with Glenn, you know, writing things. Correspondence has always been this incredible way to sort of timestamp and document mentalities, mindsets, you know, um, agendas, intuitions of people and what they plan to do. And today we have that electronically with emails and statuses and tweets, and you can sort of see where someone is at at that time. So it's like this, it's like a time capsule. And Glenn left us tons of these time capsules in the forms of these letters. What he would do is he would, I mean, and he would write the letters in the coolest way ever, you know, when he's corresponding with people through the Fiend Club or whatever, you know, when you're trying to book a tour, you know, sending stuff back and forth, mailing packages, you know, snail mail instead of email, you take the back of a flyer that, you know, some 40 years later, some 40 years later is worth a couple hundred dollars. And you write a personalized letter talking about your history. I mean, what a what a one of a kind item. And there's a lot of these one of a kind items that, you know, Glenn would just yeah, grab. Oh, here's a three hits from hell poster. Flip it over. Write a letter to someone. Hey, Tesco V or hey. Barry from the, the Necros, yada, yada, yada. 
this is what's going on in my life. And you flip it over and it's like this rare document of misfits memorabilia. But at the time, Glenn's like, oh, here's some scrap. And this is this is fun. This is fun. A fun way to write a this is a fun way to write a letter, you know, that sort of thing. And so the letter we're going to actually take a look at is a letter that I'm going to date. It has to be sometime, uh, you know, the second half of 1986 um, into possibly early 1987, because this is a time period where we don't really know what happens because uh, July or June of 1986 at the Ritz, the, the Samhain plays its last show. It didn't know it was it's going to be its, its last show, but they play their last show. Rick Rubin says, I want to manage you. I want to start over. I want to start something. I want to do something with you. Um, and that begins, like I said, a journey of discovery that would eventually lead us to Danzig, which in Glenn's mind for, you know, I guess, and has been since he invented Danzig for the last 30 something years, 32, 33 years, this has been the punctuation, the period at the end of the Danzig sentence. You know, besides going back to doing misfit stuff, Danzig is Danzig. Does Danzig, Danzig doesn't need another band name because the band's name is Danzig. This is my label for everything that I do under, and we've all copied it. We've all, I've copied it. I've copied it with this channel. I'm just like, hey, my channel's name is Frumus. And from here on in, everything I do will be under the Frumus brand. That's what I want to do. Totally inspired by Glenn Danzig. So no matter what you feel like, and no matter what people may criticize Glenn as a person, at the end of the day, we are all enamored and influenced and, you know, um, you know, inspired by a lot of this dude's business decisions and business acumen in the DIY environment. And so there's this, there's this time period of this journey, journey of discovery. That's the third time I've said journey of discovery where, where um, they're slowly evolving. And along the way, Damien is the first one to get the ax. And that's what we're going to look at right now. Um, so I'm going to share my screen here so you can actually see what has been written. So here's an example of the, the these letters, right? Here is a letter to Mike. I don't know who Mike is, but this is just a typical Glenn letter. And man, Glenn's, Glenn's handwriting is so distinct, uh, distinctive here. You know what I'm saying? You just, it just really, I don't know. It, it's, it's wonderful to have, to own a piece of this. Like, you know, I'm not a collector, but this is something I would want to own because it's so much more um, than just owning a record. It's like owning, you know, uh, a piece of correspondence from punk rock history. That's the way I think about it, at least in my little nerd, nerdgasm of a world. The letter states, Mike, cool Romero poster. Can you get any more? Now, here's what's interesting. He's saying cool Romero poster. He's talking about George Romero. And this letter has to be written between 1986 and 1987. I think Damien was sacked in 86. So it, I'm going to say, and I'm, this is pure speculation on my part. I always like to, don't I always do that? I always let you know when I'm not sure if I know what I'm talking about, right? 
pure speculation, but I'm going to say that the what he's talking about with Sam Hain 4 and with with Damien getting sacked all probably happened in 1986. London May, the the second drummer of Sam Hain, he would go on. He would go on for, you know, six or seven or eight, nine months after that last Sam Hain show. So he was still in the band as they were slowly forming into Danzig. But I'd say the first step in becoming Danzig was Pete getting sacked. When Pete got sacked and they bring in John Christ, that is the that is the first, you know, part of well, obviously because it's a lineup change. In any case, cool Romero poster. Get, uh, can you get any more? If you can, you know where to send them. Finally, saw that poster in Metal Hammer. We look cool, so they were in. So Sam Hain was in Metal Hammer magazine. He says, we look cool, but Damien needs his face cut off. He's history. Ha ha. And you know, what's kind of interesting about this letter and letters in general, it's just interesting the way that, you know, in a way, it's almost kind of like a text message. You know, it's kind of like a text message. If we didn't have cell phones, you know, we we text all the time, but if we didn't have cell phones and we were communicating long distance with lots of people, we would be writing letters Probably, especially if you're writing daily correspondence, maybe it would look something like this. He says, that's all he says. He doesn't explain why. He just says, Damien needs his face cut off. He's history. Ha ha. And when I read he's history, ha ha, I almost imagine it's maniacal. He's being maniacal when he says that. He's history. Ha ha. Obviously, you know, something like that. Um, He says, we finally start pre-production on Sam Hain 4. Hooray. And we've heard that Sam Hain 4 was going to be an album called Sam Hain Grimm. And frankly, I should really pull up what that, the, that, um, let me see if I can find this real quick. Ugh, so sorry. Should have been more prepared. But I'm realizing now, in order to be thorough with this episode, the best thing to do would be to take a look. So let's look at the history here. Since we're, since we're talking about it, why, why even, why even mince, mince words? Well, let me just finish reading this first. He says, so you're going to play with the exploited. I hate the exploited. Always have, always will. You will dust them. Good luck. So Mike is in a band. I'm not sure which band, if anybody could fill that in for me, who, who this is a letter to. Um, been working out regularly. So this is when Glenn is transforming into muscular Glenn, right? Um, just a quick chime in for Nikki. No, Final Descent is not Sam Hain 4. Um, Final Descent is a, is something that was compiled while in Danzig around the time of 1990 and is sort of like an afterthought of Sam Hain. It's like, I got these extra tracks. I'm going to put it out, but is different from, or at least I imagine is different from what Sam Hain for would have been. You know what I mean? Um, but again, I can't, I don't actually know. So he says, we've been working out, right. Been working out regularly. 
going to so Glenn is going to wrestling every month and is super stoked about Macho Man. Macho Man kills and buying tons of old toys. Yeah. Tell Mad Mike, yo, gotta go. So Mad Mike, he's talking about Mad Mark. Uh, oh no, Mad Mike. I was just thinking Mad Mark Rude. No. So I don't know who Mad Mike is. So there's Mike and there's Mad Mike in this letter. Now, being the nerds that we are, let's take a look at the context of which this letter was written in. Yeah, I said that all backwards. Let's take a look at the timeline is what I really mean to say. Let's look at the... We'll go into the Misfit Central timeline because it's the only one we got. So here is... So so it's July 14th, 1986. Sam Hain before, performed for the last time at the New Music Seminar held at the Ritz in New York, New York. Rick Root... Rick Rubin was in the audience and promised to sign the band to his label, Deaf American. A few weeks later, Damien was kicked out of the band. So this is so that letter happened for sure in 1986. So a few weeks later, Damien was kicked out of the band after Rubin suggested that the band should have a more metallic sound. For the next six months, the band rehearsed in New York City as a three-piece, as numerous guitarists auditioned and were refused. James Hetfield and Kirk Hammett of Metallica often joined them at the rehearsals. When they say join them, does that mean that they were jamming with them at the rehearsals or they were just hanging out at the rehearsals? And when they're rehearsing as a three-piece, that's Damien. Sorry, not Damien. Not Damien. That's Glenn on guitar, Erie on bass, and London May on drums, I guess, right? Um... And so six months go by where they don't have, and that's why, you know, it, it, it takes as long as it does for Danzig to form because they don't even have a new guitarist yet. In August of 1986, Danzig and Erie enter real platinum to re-record Misfit songs for upcoming Misfit releases. So that's when Mephisto Waltz is getting recorded so if you could imagine for a moment think about that sam hain played their last show damien's been kicked out of the band and then erie and glenn record mephisto waltz and re-record a bunch of songs that would end up being on misfits collection two so in my opinion mephisto waltz is just as much of a sam hain song if not more of a sam hain song than a Misfits song, despite being on a Misfits CD for all those reasons mentioned. Um, Ju uh, January 1987, John Christ auditioned for the first time. February 2nd, John Christ officially joins the band after his second audition. So it took about a month. Well, it says January 1987. doesn't give us a date. So between January and February, who knows? It could be upwards of four weeks. It could have been a couple. It could have been a week. Uh, John Christ auditions. He becomes a member of the band. February of 1987, at one of the few Sam Hain rehearsals featuring both John Christ and London May, the band recorded Twist of Cain, Trouble, Possession and When Death Had No Name on two-track tape. Later this month, Erie informed London that he was no longer in the band. So so London exits about six, seven months later 
And this is when the final piece gets put into place. And, you know, suddenly the band is, is now Danzig. Because, you know, again, two, you know, what what is it that makes a band a band? And I have a few criteria for this. I love talking about this stuff. Quick sidebar for a second, for a split second. What makes a band a band? Um, the singer-songwriter, founding members, and, you know, like, you know, people that recorded on, that played live and recorded on the band. When those elements get shifted, but what are like the actual identifying elements of a band? I would say the lead singer, I would say the songwriter, and I would say a founding member. You need to have one of these three elements. And usually the singer is going to be the songwriter or is going to be a founding member. And therefore that covers the founding member thing. If you don't have a founding member in the band, then suddenly the band is not really the band anymore. There are a few examples where this is possible. The Ramones being a prime example, the Ramones lost one of the biggest songwriting powerhouses that they had in the band, who was also a founding member, but who continued to write songs for the band. So you still had a singer, songwriter, and two founding members, even though they lost Didi Ramone, who was the primary, I would consider it to be the primary songwriter. That's a great example. I think Black Sabbath is another example where you lose Ozzy, who's a founding member and the singer, but he's not the primary songwriter and he's not the lyricist and he it, there are other founding members. So they can con they were able to continue on with Dio. That's a great example of when that's that works really well, that sort of thing. In any case, I have to digress. So they 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 sack London May. They recorded this demo. We've all heard this demo. It's been I think there's a song on there called Night of Hate as well. That like I said, they do twist and you hear these really slow versions of these songs. Twisted Cane is slow. Possession, I love that Possession. It's really great. I think Possession is really the link. Possession on Danzig 1 is like, that's like the link, the bridge between, you know, uh, Sam Hain and Danzig, even though the Sam Hain versions of those songs are really the link. But again, that's another topic for another day. Um, so now they needed a new drummer because they had sacked London May. Rick Rubin, who had promised Danzig that he could have any drummer, had invited Chuck Biscuits to New York to rehearse with the band. Filthy Phil from Motorhead would have been Danzig's other choice had Chuck Biscuits not been available. And uh, uh, going back to those correspondent letters, you know, Danzig has spoken with like Barry from the Necros and, you know, talking about flag not uh flag is just not the same without chuck biscuits he admired chuck biscuits drumming Ch chuck biscuits a powerhouse punk rock drummer from doa circle jerk black flag i mean just a just a, a, a madman we all know he's a madman because we've seen his work with danzig um in order to avoid a lawsuit over royalty disagreements, Danzig changed the name of the band to Danzig. I think that was one of 
many reasons, right? It's not just their, you know, it's not just, it's not just that. It's that they don't want, he doesn't want to worry. He said this so many times. He does not want to, you know, he does not want to continuously, you know, uh, rename bands, or whatever. It's just like Danzig there, Danzig, I'm Danzig. That's it. Something like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. So that covers that part of that. Oh boy. Um, that's the timeline aspect. Now, oh man, it's guys, it's my least favorite part of the show. It's reading time. It's reading time with Jeffrey who can't read. So this is a press bio that was released in 1988, right? And the press bio, this is what the band, this is like what the band wants the public to think about them as they're relaunching and bursting out as Danzig the band. Most bios begin by providing you with trivial details about the artist's personal lives. Well, you can find out everything you need to know about Glenn Danzig and his band, aptly named Danzig, by listening to their songs. Glenn speaks through his songs and what he doesn't say through his music he doesn't wish to share. Can we take that again? You know, we hear a lot. I'm going to just touch on this real quick. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. But let's just marinate in that. Marinate in that in light of recent events. Think about that. I think that's so true. Glenn speaks through his songs, and what he doesn't say through his music, he doesn't wish to share. That's the difference, people. That's the difference. But Danzig is more than just a collection of great songs. It's a new band that creates new music, even as it preserves those qualities that made classic rock great. In other words, it's both timely and timeless. This music will sound as good 10 years from now as it does today. And frankly, I think we can all attest that it sounds as good 30 years later as it did back then. And while their debut LP, Danzig, reflects the controlled yet manic intensity of their supercharged live performances, that's a great description, it will stay with you long after your ears have stopped ringing. It is every bit as vol voluminous, voluminous as heavy metal, but it is also introspective music you can reflect upon and think about. The power without the plastics. A thinking man's band that drives audiences into a frenzy. Those are some of the reasons producer Rick Rubin chose Danzig to be the flagship for his new label, Death American Records. Danzig One would be the first record released on uh, Death American uh, to release through Geffen Warner. So Geffen Warner re released it. It was on Death American Records and released through Geffen Warner. More than two years in the making. The LP captures the band in all its complexities and contradictions. Danzig was formed to realize Glenn Danzig's personal vision, a vision that in the past had been marred by others. So this is obviously in reference to, you know, Sam Hain and Misfits and, you know, all those, you know, all the all the former members. Bands like the Misfits and Sam Hain garnered a solid cult following due to almost 
uh, following due almost entirely to Glenn's melodic sense and charismatic charismatic voice. Tired of being just a cult phenomenon, Glenn decided to create a band that would be the ultimate evolution of his idea. So this is what I mean when I said, like, this is the period. This is the ultimate evolution of my ideas. No longer do I have to keep searching for what I am. This is what I am. Danzig is the result. This is the band that all of the fans of the Misfits and Sam Hain have been waiting for. And while that might not necessarily be true, it most certainly from Glenn's perspective, it's like, Hey, this is the ultimate version of the misfits in Glenn's mind. Again, assumptions being made here. I'm assuming that I don't actually know. Um, it is also the band that everyone, blah, blah, blah. it is also the band that everyone else has been waiting for, whether they know it or not. When producer Rick Rubin asked Glenn whose favorite drummer was, Glenn unhesitatingly chose Chuck Biscuits. To many fans, Chuck needs no introduction since his stints with Black Flag and the Circle Jerks have made him the West Coast's hottest property. Guitarist John Christ is a schooled virtuoso whose personal preferences lean towards the Black Sabbath influence. Needless to say, he doesn't sacrifice passion for technique, Although he's got plenty of both. I, I get this is a really well written biography. Truly. I mean, it really is. I've never read this before, um, but it is. Irivan, on the other hand, loves his bass almost as much as he loves himself. Uh, this purveyor of raunchy rock is also a lifelong aficionado of the female form bound and gagged. Ooh, that didn't age well. Glenn Danzig is a songwriter of recognized talent whose works have been recorded by a host of legendary performers from a Roy, from Roy Orbison to Metallica. So by this time in 1988, he's already done the less than zero soundtrack. And, you know, he's been recorded by, uh, you know, Roy Orbison and Metallica have already done their garage days EP. His music and lyrics often reflect his fascination with the study of pagan religions such as Celtic and Black Satanic Catholicism. And although he maintains a healthy scholarly interest in these things, his personal beliefs are nobody's business. Whew. I have not been following the comments, but... It looks like uh, AM. I'm not going to give AM attention. He doesn't deserve attention right now. We're talking about the Danzig video. We'll, we can save that for later. But right now, we got to talk about the Danzig video. Although I do see... <laughs> whatever. In any case. <clears throat> okay. So, now, the reason why... I, I was trying to find things that specifically talk about the music, the the video that would come out. This is where we should introduce the video, right? I guess at this point. So Danzig launches the, he launches his new band. He launches the, the um, Danzig, the band. They release the first LP and they, you know, they do music videos or some music videos come about at some point. I, I'm not familiar with the timeline on that. I'm not going to even attempt to try 
and figure it out, okay? It's just not, it's not even worth the brain power. But at some point, I don't think the, uh, the videos that are featured in the Danzig video were all necessarily aimed at the video at, in the first place. Like, for instance, Mother most certainly was recorded for MTV and all the, you know, music channels of the time, which was because this was the time where in addition to having a single, what you did was you took your single and you made a video for it and then you played it on the TV and it was another level of exposure. It was the natural, you know, you had DJs and then you had VJs, video disc jockeys, these these guys who, you know, are slinging videos instead of slinging seven inches. And it's just a natural progression of trying to promote the music to the widest audience possible or to whatever audience possible so that they go into stores because music sales were bread and butter at this time. This is the height of the engine that we were talking about in previous episodes where you sign a contract, you get an advance, you record an album, you tour in support of that album, lather, rinse, repeat when you're when you've sold enough records, your royalties kick in and you're generating passive revenue in addition to generating revenue being out on the road, selling merch, you know, uh, you know, and all the all the wonderful stuff that comes with getting paid to create art or being paid to be an artist of some kind, whether it's a musician or, or filmmaker or whatnot, right? Um, and so part of the machine, which has just exploded in the last eight or nine years, is the video, which really began, begins with the Beatles. The Beatles, uh, you know, sort of invented the music video in 1966. They did two. They were known as promotional films back then. They did one for Rain and they did one for Paperback Writer. They didn't feel like going on a, the talk show circuit to promote the singles. And they said, well, what if we film, what if we film a, a video for the song or we, a film? What if we make a film for the song and then just send that out in our stead? And that is really the genesis, the modern genesis of what would become the music video. And that, you know, uh, increased in the 70s. And then by the 80s, you have television stations that are devoted to playing these videos 24 seven. And then eventually those in the nineties would evolve into, you know, doing They would do their own radio program. I mean, they would do their own original programming. They do their own original. And that's how you started getting all sorts of TV shows and whatnot, you know, through MTV, your real world and singled out and, you know, uh, all the animation that they were coming out with, just all this stuff. Beavis and Butthead was a vehicle for for music videos. You could see the Can't Speak video, I think, and the Mother 93 video were on Beavis and Butthead as well. So Glenn and the guys, they do a, a music video for the, the single, which is Mother, Right. Uh, and it gets banned. And that's what we're really focusing on. That This was a, a very long wind-up to this because this, in my opinion, this is what leads to the Danzig VHS. This is why we have a Danzig VHS. Part of the reason why we have a Danzig VHS. But first, I don't think this is... Oh, this is all Danzig from the dark side. 
Let's see if we can find the video. No, it's not there. So let's save a little time because that's pro here we go. Video. Is it really not mentioned? Um, let's see here. So this is, oh, it's everywhere. August, the following, oh, this is weird. Okay, oh, so I see, I see, I see. Wow, made a mistake. So these are excerpts. These are just excerpts at the time. Sorry, guys, didn't register what I was looking at. These are excerpts from Thrasher Magazine condensed because these are the only parts where they're talking about um, Glenn. So this is Thrasher in 86 and 87 and 88. We'll just go 86. Misfit Samhain and Danzig followers will find a host of vinyl being cranked out, mostly limited colored releases. But the list is long, so here it goes. Watch for Misfits. Enter at your own risk, LP. A collection of the Misfits' greatest hits said to be released, and this never came out, obviously. Eventually, we got the two collections. But um, it was said to be released soon in the first 2000 with uncensored 10-inch sleeves. And the legendary Misfits box set of four rare 7 inches is due out soon. So Glenn had lots of plans even in in the later later era of of you know in that in between time plus glenn uncovered some rare unreleased misfits tracks like mephisto waltz return of the fly and i got a right is mentioned which may be coming out as a 12 inch soon so as far back as 1986 glenn had uncovered the the misfits version of i got a right and had considered putting it out as a seven inch along with, you know, all these other projects. We know that Mephisto Waltz was recorded by Erie and Glenn, but is it possible that there was an earlier version that was recorded? Maybe it was a recording of a rehearsal practice because as far as Jerry has said, I have no idea what that song is. We never played that song. He has no memory of it. And from Glenn's point of view, I believe he said that Mephisto Waltz was just something that was not, that the other guys were not into. And so it kind of got shelved. So, but it's interesting how this is mentioned in, in Thrasher Magazine. So talk about Lost Tracks of the Misfits, part two. Mephisto Waltz, Return of the Fly, and a cover of Iggy and the Stooges' I Gotta Write, which first came out in 1973. And um, rightfully so rightfully so is pinpoints in my opinion that is this this is not my opinion this is jack rabbit has said this that's the beginning of modern punk rock when you listen to i gotta write by iggy and the stooges in 1973 that's the moment when punk rock really begins i there's been a lot of revisionist history about punks who were punk before punk that i'm not going to get into that i kind of really roll my eyes at hard um, but, because in my opinion, this has always been it. It was, you know, look, Iggy and the Stooges and the New York Dolls come along and they, and uh, MC5, and they're doing a variety of music that's just, that, that is transforming audiences. And those audiences were the first punk bands, like the Ramones and yada, 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 you know? But a song like I Gotta Write, that it's like, if you want to throw a dart 
at the bulletin board, sorry, at the bullseye and nail it right in the center, that's boom. That's where punk begins. So the Misfits covered I Gotta Write. And they re-recorded it in the Resurrected Era, re-recorded it, but it was originally done by Glenn, and they used to cover it all the time. They used to, uh, you know, I, I believe there's quotes of Glenn talking about how, oh, you know what it is? Um, Glenn did the afterword for an Iggy Pop book. It's a poem. Oh, man, I should really find this thing now. I can find it. I can find it. Should I find it for you guys and see what he says about I Gotta Write since we're talking about it? We really should. I mean, it, we would be irresponsible. And I mean, but this is going off. Well, here, I'm going to go real quick, see if I can get it. I think I got it. Hold on. Hold the phone, everybody. I'm going to take a look right now. Here we go. So here is the Glenn poem. This is so cool, man. He says, I don't know if Iggy and the Stooges knew that when they recorded such great things, I Want to Be Your Dog, TVI, Gimme Danger, I Gotta Write, so many more, that they were helping to lay the groundwork for what would become the late 70s punk revolution slash war. He says, I Want to Be Your Dog was probably played by almost every 70s punk band of the day. I would play my version of it on my guitar all day long in my room, incessantly. And at rehearsal with the Misfits, we would always play it. Eventually, moving on to I Gotta Write. Even recorded a version of it, though I changed a verse to Anytime I Want, I Gotta Write to Kill no matter what they say. Glad to see Iggy and the Stooges in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now we just need to get Alice Cooper in long overdue, Glenn Danzig. So Glenn changes uh, a verse instead of anytime I want, I got a right to move. No matter what they say, go check out this song. It's a phenomenal song. I've always loved this song. He says, anytime I want, I got a right to kill. No matter what they say. So that's that was his change to the song but that's interesting that they mentioned that wow and the misfits class classic 12 inch die die my darling will come out on white vinyl limited to 500 copies now to sam hain glenn by now has finished finished the vocal tracks on the new sam hain lp yet untitled with many major labels hot on the heels of sam hain Watch out for colored wax Samhain vinyl. So that he's talking about, that's November coming fire, right? Then August of 1987, the Misfits Samhain Danzig. Yes, that's right. The new band is called Danzig. So by August of 1987, the band is called Danzig. It has been signed to Death Jam. Should be produced by Rick Rubin and will feature a cover of Elvis Presley's Trouble. We know that that they recorded Trouble like four times, and eventually we would see those versions along with When Death Had No Name, and those versions would eventually find their way on the Lost Tracks of Danzig uh, box set thing that came out. Danzig will still find Glenn on vocals and Erie on bass, and will feature. Uh, and features Ace Skinman, Chuck Biscuits on drums. So they don't even mention John Christ. 
And the comic book will still come out, uh, as will the Misfits box set. So now there's talk of a comic book. I'm not sure if they're talking about a Sam Hain. Does this have anything to do with the Sam Hain comic book from the box set in 99? Or is this a Misfits comic book? They're talking about a comic book that's going to come out, as will the Misfits. So they're talking about a Misfits box set as early as August of 1987. And then also the Enter at Your Own Risk Misfits Hits LP, for which many wait in anticipation. Also in the works are plans for Misfits 2 CD on a, uh, a Misfits 2 CD dot dot dot. That's what it says. And that's Collection 1 and Collection 2 and everything else got scrapped. On a different note, but still on the subject of the Misfits, Glenn Danzig, along with many others, is in hot pursuit of bootleggers of Misfits t-shirts and paraphernalia. January 1988. Glenn has been seen conversing again with Man About Town Rick Rubin. Glenn is apparently writing songs for the legendary Roy Orbison. April of 1988. Bootleg Misfits records are cropping up like unemployment unemployed stockbrokers. Because remember, at this time, there was another stock market crash. In the late 80s, it was another Black Monday or whatever. Um, servicing primarily in the L.A. area, 7-inch and 12-inch discs copped from live performance CDs. Uh, sorry, copped from what? <laughs> so live performance CDs are the current rage. At least 10 were circulating at last count. 10. I wonder how many there are now. Having become quite frustrated with these bootleggers, as well as those reproducing various Misfits and Sam Hain designs, Glenn Danzig is starting to take action. One reason for all of the bootlegging is that the price of real Misfits vinyl has gone through the roof, and it still is. We're still dealing with this all the time. Oh, I just saw this. We have a... We have a, a, a tip donation from Dagger Love. Thank you so much. Upside down 666. What does that mean? So am I supposed to be typing 999? Dagger Love, as always, thank you for the support. Truly, we, we appreciate it. Brett Ballad, I agree. I also want to hear Danzig cover. I got to write more than anything. It would be awesome. So 666 three times is 999. Upside down. So I don't know what that means. You got to explain that to me. Ha <laughs> um, ha. What, what was I? What was I say? Oh, oh, oh. That's what he tipped. Th I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Dagger Love is, is tipping 666. But it, the, the better way, 999. Much appreciated. I'm throwing you some devil horns. Oh, somebody suggested... Right, three, thank you. Didn't catch it, didn't catch it. Thank you, thank you. Uh, somebody said that we there needs to be, for when there's tipping, that there needs to be a special, like, signal. I'm thinking it's going to be a Danziguo. I got to figure out how to do that. I actually, man, I'll figure out how to do the Danzig purr that I have. I don't know where it is, but if I could find it, that would be a really great way to do to acknowledge the tip. Let me see if I can get it real quick. This is for you, Dagger Love. Hold on. This is for you. Okay, here it is. Ready? 
is gonna hurt. Oh, it's not. Hold on, I gotta, I gotta do that again. Ready? I hope you enjoy that as much as I enjoy that. That is what we're going to do. Every time there's a tip, we're going to do that is what we're going to do. Yes, that is Robbie Bloodshed. Yes, that is Tracy. That is Tracy. That is my. So so when you tip, if you tip, you get the Dan, you get the 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 Danzig purr. That's my new salute. OK, so thank you. Any case. They're talking about bootlegs, yada, yada, yada. And that's why Misfits Vinyl has gone through the roof and not much has changed. It's gotten worse now. It's gotten even worse. So while Glenn is in the studio working on a new project with Rick Rubin for Def Jam, he is also preparing to reissue three Sam Hain LPs and a double LP that will come with a comic book. So what? He's going to reissue the three Sam Hain LPs and, and there's going to be a double LP that will come with a comic book. Is that supposed to be what Sam, is that what, is that Final Descent? Is that an untitled Sam Hain afterthought that eventually evolved into Final Descent? Who knows? Um, with Glenn so busy, how long will we be waiting? <laughs> We're still waiting. J this is July 1988. Spotted at Fangoria's Horror Weekend at the Hyatt by the L.A. airport was Dave Vanian of the Damned and his wife, who flew from England just for the convention of gore aficionados. Missing the convention was Glenn Danzig, who flew back to New Jersey to perform the live premiere of his new Danzig group. Wow. And that's the Trenton show that would happen in August. Um, Glenn was in LA mixing his new LP with Rick Rubin. The LP will include guest backing vocals by Metallica members who are also in the LA area, finishing up their new LP before heading out on a, the massive monsters of rock stadium tour. September 1988, Glenn Danzig up front with the crowd at one of the first two shows with his new band called Danzig. Their LP is out. Now watch for a 12-inch of unreleased tracks, including a cover of Elvis Presley's Trouble to be released only in the UK. With Rick Rubin producing it, you know it'll be a holler. And at this point, Rick Rubin is exploding, right? He is exploding. You have... I mean, you just have all sorts of stuff going down. He's doing, you know, he's done Slayer and the Red Hot Chili Peppers are, are on. He's on the cusp of working with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, Ruben is is hot, like in terms of like demand. You know what I mean? Um, November at night, uh, November 1988 at the Palladium again in Los Angeles. Slayer was headlining the first West Coast performance of Danzig. 
The show was sold out, blah, 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 blah. Danzig played an excellent set with full approval of the crowd. Most of the fans were there for Slayer, and the action was crazed with six or seven pits going all at what uh, all at one time. Um, April 1989. Danzig is on a crucial touring schedule of the U.S., recently making a stop in San Francisco, where the encore saw Kurt Hammett and James Hetfield uh, slinging guitars to Halloween 2. So they're playing Halloween 2 in 1989 with Kirk and James from Metallica. Um, that's pretty cool. I wish it was recorded. I hope that there's a recording of that somewhere. Not only was it an incredible show, but the sound was surprisingly good too for, uh, for a place that's known to be known to have a mud sound. And then it says, watch out for Danzig's new video, Twist of Cain. So Dan so this answers my question. These videos are not being produced for the for the video cassette. These videos have already been produced or were being produced for broadcast and are eventually collected on the home video cassette. That answers that question. June of 1989, speaking of Danzig, they're in the process of recording seven songs, some for a new 12-inch She Rides and others for their upcoming LP production on the third Danzig video. She Rides is in the works of, you know, again, and the Danzig video comes out in 1990 and it's after they've produced all of these videos. There's like five or six videos that they did just for that first album. Amazing to think that there are five or six videos per album at that time. You know, you think today now if, you know, not, well, not today, but like, let's say like in the late nineties or in the early two thousands, you do one or two videos for the album, for the, for the hottest tracks. But back then they're just, they're doing as many videos as they can. Um, August 1989, from the Danzig camp, Glenn and Company will be touring the U.S. soon and then recording the second LP for Deaf American. And again, they are just grinding with the touring, just going, going, going. September 1989, Danzig has finished a third video, She Rides. Footage was also shot for Am I Demon? Now that Danzig has relocated west, so, so it happens in September or at least around late 1989 that Danzig leaves New Jersey for LA. He's relocated west to Smogtown. Will the madness grow to new heights? October 89. Danzig will be releasing a home video with footage from backstage live performances and various graveyards. There you go. So, it's at this point and it, you know, I don't know when the mother video came out. They're not talking about the mother video at all, but the, I think that the mother video also, you know, uh, influenced, uh, the decision to releasing this VHS. I mean, they kind of say it on the VHS. It's not, I'm not, this is no hot take here. Um, September, 1992. Well, we don't want to do that. We don't need to. And then here's other stuff. The big boys. Uh, no, we don't need. That's just a mention. It's Glenn Danzig and this guy can sing. Wait, what? No, don't need to talk about that. 
Um, through through their individual powers of both the misfits and Samhain, or uh, though the individual powers of both the misfits and Samhain unforgettable, those bands are in the past, and a new incarnation has arisen. Glenn Danzig has been a new band, built a new band, a new unit that's so damn powerful, so relentlessly brutal. It staggers the senses just to comprehend. The ensemble entitled Danzig drives forth with a new force, an ambition, an ambitious direction, an absolutely ferocious power. Glenn's vocals have matured with age. His croons are commanding expressions of the full range of his voice. That's a great way to put it. I like that. How you doing, old omen? Howdy. Howdy back to you. Howdy back. Um, <clears throat> guys, I think I'm going to need more seltzer. I'm dying here. Uh, so this is just a, a, another write-up. But it's a good write-up. I'm not going to lie. Not going to lie. It's a good write-up. Guitarist John Christ thrust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. We, we, can, we can skip this part. We'll skip this one, too. So now... This is all Thrasher. Thrasher. Freeze frame. So here is a review of the home video before we get started with the home video. Ready? <laughs> Ballad's mom loves the Danzig VHS. Well, then she's going to love this episode. <clears throat> Freeze frame by Del James. Whoa. Okay. I was supposed to interview Del James. Here he is. Wow. This guy was like the tour manager for Guns N' Roses, too. Um, Danzig, Deaf American Home Video. Demons, the dark side of human nature, sex and Satanism. Sounds like fun stuff you'd find in your local video store underneath the topic heading horror, right? Not. It's the latest long-form music video release from the reigning power chord Masters of Disaster, Danzig. The 40-minute video features material from the first Danzig LP, climatically bringing to life, cinematically, sorry, misread that, cinematically bringing to life, brought to life, uh, is the controversial uncut mother video. So at the time, so this is the part, so it gets banned. The mother video gets banned because it's like satanic and yada, yada, yada. Um, MTV won't play it, and then they wanted to play it, and then they didn't want to play it. Thank you, Alfonso. Pounding it back. Um, and thank you for the... Such such kind words. Thank you, Hugh. I appreciate that. Um, sorry, I lost my place. Right, the, uh, the, the controversial uncut mother video, which MTV insisted to be trimmed to a mere shell of its former self. This version is the must-see for any hardcore Danzig disciple. Am I Demon in Eerie Black and White could be Mother Part 2. Also found on this video are Twist of Cain, the sexier cheer rides, rare backstage footage, and in-depth, candid interviews. Just as in his powerful music, Glenn Danzig pulls no punches when addressing issues like religion, music, and aggression. When you slip the video into the VCR, clear the room of anyone with a weak stomach or ears. Overall, 
The Danzig Live video provides plenty of dark entertainment for those who wish to tread there. You know who you are. So it gets banned. And then Danzig, for whatever reason, is like freaking, you know, he's like, screw that. You're not going to censor me. I've ran my own record label. I'm just... We'll put out a video. We'll do a cassette. This is something that Danzig had wanted to do for a long time, right? That he had wanted to be putting out horror cassettes all the way back to the late Misfits days in 1983. He wanted to do, he wanted to, he's talked about shooting horror stories. You know what I mean? Like, like this is like the culmination, the first of eventually a culmination that would come decades later with Veronica. But this is the first of the of such culminations where Glenn Danzig is getting involved, uh, you know, behind the camera and, you know, directing things and, you know, um, uh, doing art direction and lighting and whatever else. He probably, you know, he had a crew and he probably was like, yeah, that looks good. That looks good. Do that. Do that. You know, that kind of thing. Um, oh my goodness. I just saw that. Bal- First of all, Ballad has has tipped us. Thank you, Ballad, for your support. But Ballad has COVID right now. So thank you for doing the stream in pain and bored. This is real, by the way, folks. You don't want it. Dude, I'm first of all, I'm so sorry that you have COVID and I wish you a strong, healthy recovery. And just as a salute. We're gonna do we're gonna do the Danzig Purr for Ballad of the Broken. Ready, Ballad? Here it comes. Here comes the Danzig Purr. This is to help you heal up, buddy. Oops, gotta May, may the vibes, may, may the, the vibes of Danzig-like vocal cords, since it's not actually Danzig, Danzig-like vocal cords, soothe and heal your body and help you to recover, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> he says, that purr just boosted my immune system. Thank you. <laughs> there you go, man. Um <laughs> So anyway, you know, again, this to me fits in with the the picture of, you know, um, I'm going to just release my own cassette. Uh, We're going to put a bunch of stuff together and they put out the Danzig Home video, which, you know, again, what the first thing we read was a press kit. That's what it was. That band bio was from a press kit. In the future, you do something called an electronic press kit. What is that? It's an electrified version of a band bio, headshots, logos, PNG logos, all the stuff. You know, if you're doing a show, whatever you're doing, you know, in the world of promotion, um, you know, whenever you're doing media performances, you need to be able to give your assets 
to the, you know, the, the person that's doing the thing. Like for instance, I used to do rock and roll cooking. And when I do rock and roll cooking, I would ask the bands, do you have an EPK? And not always, but sometimes they would send me their EPK, which would have a vector file of their logo, right? The logo that, that I could use stuff like that. Um, and you know, any, band worth its salt has an EPK. You should have an electronic press kit. You should be ready to be able to very easily, you know, um, uh, uh, just give, uh, give this stuff to people when they need it, you know, to help promote your band, whatever it may be. You're doing a podcast, you're doing a YouTube video and they need a picture of you for the thumbnail have an EPK ready to go, just send it. It should be a stock thing that you could just send. In any case, the Danzig home video is like a long form EPK in a weird kind of way. It's not, it's really YouTube at a time before YouTube. If you think about all of the things that you find on the Danzig home video, you can you know, respectively find them on YouTube today, but it's like the YouTube of its day. You know what I mean? Like you could, you would find, you know, just little snippets of things that really have no business being on a cassette tape, but it's like, Hey, you want to know what Danzig's about? We're going to show you what Danzig's about. We're going to put out this cassette. Now I'm not familiar with a ton of other video cassettes like this video cassette. I know that it was very commonplace. Like look at what green jello did. Green Jello released a video album, which they won a Grammy for. So it's not uncommon for bands in the 90s to be putting out, you know, VHS cassette releases. Of course, but tons of bands did that. Um, but for Danzig, it makes a lot of sense. And it's a genius thing to do because when you put out a cassette, you don't have to worry about the censors. And at the time... You're at the mercy of the censors because you have to be on, you know, uh, broad, broad, broadcast network television or whatever you want, cable television. And um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, if you can't if you don't see the band live, if you don't know the band personally and if you don't. Well, that's not true. Cause I, you know what? I'm totally pulling that out of my ass because. Of course, you just turn on MTV and you could see them being interviewed. So that's not true. But if you, there was no, you know, there's no band Instagram that's showing you personalized, you know, manicured, curated slices of life of this band behind the scenes. So a Danzig VHS is going to fill that void. And there you go. Okay, um, so now what we're gonna do is, oh, we still have more. Here's another Here's another review. This is from Faces Magazine. This is Greg Fasolino, who was on the show and blessed us with all those unreleased Danzig and Misfits treats. Um, that was the magazine that he wrote for. This is from spring of 1990. The home video fans have been praying for. That's what that was called, the home video. It's a format that I really wish would come back. That's something I would love to take a bite out of personally. You know, it's like a, what a fun format you to, to make the home video, the home DVD, except you could literally just upload it to your YouTube channel. You know what I mean? And so, you know, you wouldn't have to, there would be no overhead. You just, 
It would it would literally be for EPK promotional purposes. I don't know. I think that's that's a cool idea that needs to be revived, you know, and I would, man, I would crush that. I would crush that hard via interview. Uh, the home video fans have been praying for via interview and backstage footage. Glenn Danzig gives viewers a peek behind the ominous mystique. Sorry, guys. So many seltzer burps. Uh, that usually cloaks him and his band and their music also includes unedited, uncensored clips of Am I Demon, Twist of Cain, She Rides, and Mother. It's amazing how we take how we take YouTube for granted. You look at this. This was access to the side of life that so many fans could not get a hold of because there wasn't anything like YouTube. You know, if if you live in Idaho and maybe Danzig is touring through Idaho, if that once one one time a year, and let's say they're in a part of the 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 the, the state where you're not even going to be able to get to, then this Danzig video is the closest thing you're going to get outside of watching music videos on MTV to seeing anything or of Danzig. I guess I don't know. Um. So this was a this was a press coming from 1990. I'm not going to read it. This is something I don't know. Should we take a look at it real quick? The the real story behind the Danz, uh, Danzig's music video. I guess we should, because we can't really look at the music video without looking at the history first. So we're going to do this super quick, guys. It's not long. And then we're going to do a watch along commentary of the Danzig music video, which I have here and we're going to sync it up. But I so desperately need a seltzer. Let me ask you a question. Would you guys hate me if I ran to get a seltzer in the other room for literally 60 seconds? You could count to 60 seconds. Ready? I'm going to do it. I'm going to go for it right now. I'm going to run and I'm going to come back. I've never done this on a live stream, but I so need another seltzer if I'm going to get through the show. Ready? I'm going to come right back. As Stu says in Scream, I'll be right back. Make it for Lola. 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 Boom. That was like, wow, you guys are so sweet. Look at this. <laughs> as long as we watch the whole VHS. <laughs> ah, Robbie Bloodshed says, you should have had the mother chick on this episode. Dude, you're so right. And she's so easy to get a hold of. I could have had the mother chick. I have so many mother chick story stories. You know, I was I was sort of like around you know, on the sidelines when Bobby Steele was with the mother chick, I saw a whole ton of their interactions. I've, you know, met the mother chick a bunch of times and seen her around New York City in various ways. Such a weird, bizarre thing. Maybe I'll have to talk about that after we watch the video. <laughs> I don't know. what What is the, can I get the ah? I don't know what that means. Come back, little Jeffrey. <laughs> Look what I got. I got the uh, LaCroix right here. I know it was really quick. I was just going to the other room, you know, 
Uh, do you prefer the chicken blood original mother video or the 1993? Wow, man. I, well, I always love dancing hip gyrations in the most plutonic way possible in the, in a, in a purely plutonic way. I, there is nothing more pleasant to me than when Danzig is violently humping the air during a live show. Is there anything better than when Dan, like in the, how the gods kill video where there's that like gif where he's just like humping violently the air. Like, where did he get that move? He just decided I'm going to hump air violently but he makes it look so cool when he does it that's what's so funny about it you know yeah <laughs> uh, yeah you could find the mother chick on youtube she has a channel um and yeah she used to be married to bobby Steele, and so so uh i don't know what they call that um i don't know what they call that term uh when when two guys know each other through a former liaison if you know what i mean but that's glenn and uh glenn and bobby he used to hump there yes he did yes he did sweet i didn't know there was mother chick oh there is there's so much mother chick let's let's read through guys otherwise we'll be here all night i'm gonna go all right i'm, I'm ignoring the comments again by the way i apologize it's not that i'm ignoring the comments it's just that i'm trying to stay like focused because, you know, the I, I love doing comment. We'll have to just do comment episodes is what we'll have to do. You know, and I see you guys talking with each other in the comments. I think that's really nice. I'm really glad that you guys are doing that. Mother. Here, let me make this bigger. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. The words, this was from, when was this written? This is from Krang Magazine. It doesn't have a date. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. The words that launched a thousand memes and plenty more uh, ruckuses between kids and their parents three decades on from its initial appearance on Danzig's 1988 solo debut, Mother rem remains a masterclass in gloom rock badassery that established Glenn Danzig as more than just that bloke from the Misfits. It would be its accompanying video, though, that would secure him notoriety as the as a devil worshiper hell bent on corrupting America's youth. If you know, if you know, last caress wasn't enough, uh, and is a tale of MTV Tipper Gore and a chicken. So yeah, I mean, you know, essentially, Mother is about the PR. What is it? The PRMC. You know, when Tipper Gore was on this crusade to have you know, heavy metal music, you know, censored in, in, in crazy ways. And this is, and mother, the original mother supposedly was super fast. I don't remember where I heard that, but mother was a really, really fast song that got slowed down a whole bunch. So there you go. Um, and you know, here's the thing about mother. We're all, I don't know about you guys, I won't speak for the rest of you. I mean, I'm sick of Mother. I love Mother, and I'm sick of it. When I watched the 93 m version of Mother, that video, like, I just, I, I, I just absolutely am, like, glued to the screen just looking at the band, just, like, friggin' just tight as hell doing their thing. Um, 
But at the same time, I'm just like, I'm so sick of, it's just such a, you know, it's the song that people always go to. Don't you, you know, when you're obsessed with a band, where you become obsessed with the band, it's the same thing with the Pixies. I love the Pixies. I, they're, one of their most famous songs is Monkey Gone to Heaven. And I, I will be very happy if I never hear Monkey Gone to Heaven ever again. Same thing with Sublime, What I Got. I hate that song. I hate the song What I Got. I think it is, it's just set like these commercialized, candy-coated songs. I would put Mother in that pile a little bit as well, considering it was it was the hit. You know what I mean? And, you know, I just, I, I'm just, yeah. Uh, Rue says it's blasphemy. I'm sorry, Rue. I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just, I, I'm, it's play. It's a played out song is what I'm saying. It's just, it's, it's played out in the same way that what I got is played out. You know, it just, you know, and, and, you know, I guess if anything, if, if there's any time that I truly enjoy listening to mother today, it's when we're doing, it's when, um, I enjoy live versions of mother, like from like the early, from the late eighties or like, you know, 90, 91, that's when Mother is just, like, awesome. You know what I mean? To me. Um, since disbanding the Misfits in 1983, Danzig had built a growing following in Sabbath meets Elvis. Oh, my... Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. I just get so mad. I was taught, I think it was Ballad, maybe it was Ballad uh, of the Broken commented in another video. We were just talking about this, right? When this happens, look at this. This is how they describe Sam Hain. This is how you describe Sam Hain. Sabbath meets Elvis outfit. What kind of bull crap is that? Oh, do I hate that. Um, I love Where Is My Mind. A phenomenal song. I could do a whole show on the Pixies, by the way. Um, but Jesus Christ, man. Jesus Christ. Like, it's not like, this is just a guy who doesn't know what Sam Hain is and says Sabbath meets Elvis. Stupid. Freaking dumb. When Rick Rubin approached Danzig when signing the band to his nascent... Deaf American label. What does nascent mean? Let's see what that says. Nascent probably means like new, right? Nascent, adjective, just coming into existence. Okay, and the beginning, it sounds kind of pejorative, but okay, that makes sense. I'm not afraid to look up words I don't know in the dictionary, you guys. I like to expand my word palette. Um with signing the band to his nascent Deaf American label in 1987, a bet with a rejiggered lineup under the singer's own name. He knew from overseeing music videos by the Beast Boys, talking about Ruben, and the Run, Run DMC facelift of Aerosmith's Walk This Way that a smash hit on MTV could catapult Danzig to household name status. So... Rick Rubin is going, we're going to break break Danzig wide open. And it kind of did happen, but it didn't happen. It, it took till 93, you know, for that to happen. Here, Ballad is what, this is what I'm talking about. Uh, somebody who has never bumped a single Sam Hain song. 
they're just <laughs> um <laughs> actually no it's um i believe it you know we've i've also heard it be sung as 20 guys in my bed that's all there's nothing wrong with having 20 guys in your bed you know um so 20 guys in my bed. <laughs> um, Rick Rubin wants this uh, video shoot to go off without any problems because it was critical to launch to the launch of his new band. Right. Yes. You know, look at what look at what, you know, uh, the Beastie Boys did on, on, in the videoscape. And yes, the, the walk this way video was huge, man. It was huge. Um, so Rick Rubin wanted this video shoot to go off without, without any problems because it was critical to the launch of the, his new band, wrote Vincent Goriodano, who assisted on the shoot with director Rick Manello. He put together Glenn, da uh, he put together Glenn Danzig and Rick began to, uh, uh, sorry, he put, put to, what? He put together Glenn Danzig and Rick began to hammering out a concept. The rough treatment was cobbled together quickly and was a crazy quilt of unusual film references and ideas to be shot in black and white. And you see that in the video. You see the way that they put slits of light over the eyes, the stark back and white, black and white photography, uh, I believe there's Dutch angles used. There's like all this stuff down to the, the thing lettering. I don't know if that's in, uh, they do quotes at the beginning. There's all sorts of film, filmic references. You know, Glenn Danzig, as we know, because he was a, also a film critic. If you didn't realize this, he was a film critic in the, the eighties. Uh, check out that episode. Um, <clears throat> by the way, if you're just joining us, please, more than anything, please subscribe to the show. Please subscribe to the show. Please turn your notifications on. Please leave a comment. Please leave a like. If you'd like to show your support for the show, find a way you can find out how to do below. And if you do, we will have Danzig Purr for you. That's right. We have the Danzig Purr. It's our new feature on the show. Um, the video, so it was cobbled, it was a crazy quilt, as he puts it. I think that's a great way to, to say that, right? Um, Hugh asks, is a Dutch angle an awkward close-up? No. So a, 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 a Dutch angle is kind of like in, a Dutch angle is kind of like what they did in the Batman 66 TV show where your camera is on a slight tilt. It's actually a really cool effect but people kind of, people kind of, you know, uh, think of it as campy. But it's, I think it's a really fun effect. What's up, Alan? How you doing? Um, the video was pulled together on a soundstage over a single day and struck a balance between arch moodiness and occult kitsch. Again. I got to tell you, all the things we've been reading tonight just really nail down the concepts of what these things are. Arch moodiness and occult kitsch. The stark shadows and textbook cinematography 
directly referenced classic horrors and thrillers of the early 20th century, most notably Nosferatu and Fritz Lang's M. Other choices, like the opening quotation from The Pilgrim's Progress, probably sandwiched on Danzig's bookshelf between tombs on werewolves and child murder, are pure, pretentious guff. Uh, Not wrong, definitely not wrong about that. And some shots didn't come off so well, such as when Danzig holds up a flaming fist that is covered in so much projective, protective gel, it looks like he's yelling angrily at a blazing jelly baby. Glenn was not happy with the end result, admits uh, Giordano. Giordano, yeah, Giordano. In other words, the video was perfect. So I never even really realized that. That's a fist? He's holding up a, a fist covered in protective jelly. Well, we'll take a look when we watch the thing. The song itself was written as a taunting rebuke to the PR, sorry, the PMRC, the Parental Music Resource Center, co-founded by Tipper Gore, a committee who you can thank for the introduction of parental advisory stickers on albums deemed too sweary, sexy, druggy for little Timmy's ears. In a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy, Danzig's debut would get slapped with a parental advisory label or a tipper sticker two years later, despite the album containing not one single profanity. I was saying stuff they were offended by, questioning religion and questioning government. Danzig recently told Revolver, that's a no-no. You get stickered for that. Now you get kicked off the internet because you're fake news. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no. oh, Glenn, 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 Glenn. Um, but, but that sticker also sold albums too. That's what people wanted to buy. You know, people wanted to buy friggin' like albums that had that sticker. Cause that, those were the goods. It, if anything, it encouraged the sale of albums, right? The scene of the video that twisted Knickers in 88, though, is when Danzig stands over a sacrificial altar and seemingly rips a live chicken apart, uh, spattering a scantily clad model with blood. Of course, this was all editing trickery and the chicken left unscathed while the blood was actually chocolate syrup, which is what they used for blood in Night of the Living Dead, which perhaps explains the eagerness of Danzig's companion to start finger painting with it. Uh, and that is the mother chick. The mother chick gets is the one on the altar, I believe. It's hard to tell because she's not, you know, The mother chick does not look the way she used to look, and it's hard to tell which one is which sometimes. Incidentally, if you ever wonder what happened... Oh, there you go. So I was correct. Incidentally, if you ever wondered what happened to the sacrificed model, she surfaced on YouTube a few years ago under the moniker of Mother Chick with videos of her headbanger workout regime and um, questionable tribute dances. According to Battle Inquisition, she also claims in videos since deleted that Danzig put a curse on her while filming the mother video. It was a satanic ritual and I was the sacrifice. The dancer, real name Jill 
Kethel said in a video dated 2010. That's when she really came came out of the woodwork. She came out in 2010, and I believe she had been uh, an exotic dancer of some kind, and she had dated Glenn for a time. Uh, at the time, I didn't realize what was going down, but now I realize and my eyes have been opened. MTV, to, well, real quick, let's take a look at the mother chick. Is she, oh, no, no, no. We don't want to hear it. This is her dancing to, okay, guys, you are in for a treat. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> this is the actual mother chick today. Hide your children. Hide your children, guys. I look and she's there. Mother, tell your children not to walk my way. If you can imagine that, if you want to play, there she goes. She's doing it. The mother chick is in the house. She's doing her dance. She's wearing some sort of robe. She's derobing the robe, taking it off. And um, she's doing something. We can't really see what she is doing. But something is happening. And now, oh, whoa. Oh, ah, what is going on? All right, this is crazy. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus. Um, now she's, yeah, okay. Now she's headbanging. She's got a wispy, it's kind of a wispyish hair, wispish hair. I don't know how you would describe it. And uh, a very good posture the mother chick has. She has a very, uh, now she's crawling on all floors. That floors, not floors, crawling across. She's crawling across the killing floor. Um, So I've, I've been to, I've seen her, I've seen the mother chick at Danzig Doyle shows dressed like poison ivy trying to talk to Doyle. Uh this was after she had divorced Bobby Steele. Um she used to come to all the undead shows uh back then and uh was with Bobby when he put out uh the I Made a Monster uh seven inch. And you know Oh hi honey uh uh what the what uh sorry that was a bad bad badly timed joke from what I saw in the comments. Yeah, she's doing. <laughs> she's doing something. She's like a, a scarecrow dancer, is what she is. Now she's on the bed. Does she sleep on this bed? I wonder. I don't know. I don't, oh my god, what is happening right now? The, the the candles are lit. Now, does she live with anybody? What happens if if she does live with someone? They come in and they see this happening what did they say jill what are you doing you know and she's coming back uh, now was this a pre how, how much longer is this thing oh it's almost over is this a pre-choreographed dance is what i want to know i don't know i you know goblins i tend to agree this is a bizarre footnote in danzig history um this has 25,000 views and it was released 11 years ago. And I've not seen what, ha you know, she went to Israel with Bobby Steele at one point and then they split up. 
I don't know. It, it, the whole thing is crazy. It's a crazy, crazy scenario. And yeah, that is the mother chick. And she has a whole bunch of dances. So go and subscribe to the mother chick. Support support her in her. Oh, this is a funny show, guys. Anybody watch Blark and Son? That's on YouTube. Really funny show. Um, Go support the, the mother chick. We should really just watch all of Danzig's videos, but. So so that was the story. That's the mother chick. MTV demanded that uh, demand. Uh, MTV demanded several heavy edits to the content, which Manello and uh, Giordano duly complied with uh, before the station agreed to premiere the approved version on Headbangers Ball. Uh, Saturday night comes around and MTV roll the video, except it's the original unedited version, uh, uh, unedited version, except it's the original unedited version, blood, chicks and all. Giordano maintains that they made the edits and MTV were to blame for the snafu. Uh, while Manello recalls that Rick Rubin was elated. Rick Rubin got 100, uh, got 100 people to call MTV. Yo, I want to see the video where they sacrificed the chicken, he wrote. For a whole weekend, the original version was on the air. Naturally, MTV freaked out and pulled the video from rotation. It really pisses me off because they'll show Freddy Krueger his bones and the dog comes over and pisses on his bones and all of a sudden his skin comes back on and his guts fumed Danzig in an interview at the time describing a promotional spot for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. But the controversy and MTV's hard stance against subsequent Danzig videos fed into the view of radio stations that the band was too transgressive for massive audience. So at the time, it had the reverse effect of what Ruben was hoping, right? Ruben wanted this to break them open, and instead, this affected radio play. This effectively stunted the trajectory of both the album and the band who would slog away for years as underground cult sensations rather than mainstream contenders. I thought it was pretty tame. With my background, I could have done something really wild. Danzig did have the last laugh, though. Five years later, the band issued a slightly tweaked version entitled Mother 93 as part of the Thrall Demon Sweat Live EP, which is a phenomenal EP, uh, which picked up national radio play. Under pressure from public demand for Mother, MTV relented and placed a live version of the video on heavy rotation. The surge of interest pushed Danzig to number 43 on the mainstream rock charts in the U.S. and propelled their debut to gold-selling status in 1995. The album has since gone platinum. I did not know that. So uh, Danzig has gone platinum and continues. That means it sold over a million copies and continues to rip harder than a rhino's drawers. So occasionally, Mother does know best. Give her a call and try to refrain from yelling down the phone like a combination of Tarzan and Scooby-Doo. You know, it's very, it is very interesting. It kind of makes you wonder in an alternate history where 
Danzig, it, it, there's an alternate history where it does have the intended effect and Danzig becomes as mainstream as Metallica. Could you imagine? Danzig becomes as mainstream as Metallica. Maybe the band stays together a little bit longer, the original lineup. And what does that do to the 95 Misfits? Does, here's a question for you. Does Danzig care... Does Danzig put as much time and energy into trying to stop the Misfits from coming back at, if he is, you know, sailing, soaring at the same heights as a band like Metallica in the 90s? Imagine that Danzig 2, Lucifuge, becomes the Black Album. If Mother had worked in 1989 and everything went the way it was supposed to and let's say that mother became number 1 in 1989 and then lucifuge comes out in uh in 1990 and the band explodes explodes like black album status explodes world tours yada 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 and knocks dancing into the stratosphere what does that do to the misfits Maybe does does uh, does Jerry do Jerry and Doyle try to come back as the Misfits a lot earlier than they end up doing? I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? In any case, that brings us to the back end of the show. Thank you for sticking around. Um, if you're just joining us, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, that really helps in supporting the channel. I can't tell you how much that helps. And also, please check us out on Spotify. All of these are archived on Spotify. They are, you know, in varying degrees of quality. And, you know, you can't really, what's it called? You know, sometimes you may not have reference of what's being spoken about because we're looking at something visual. And I can't, that can't be helped. But, you know, if you want a little earworm in your brain and you can't watch YouTube while you're at work, maybe you could listen to the show on Spotify. I get paid if you listen on Spotify, so you are actually helping. I get, I think I get paid no matter what if you listen to the podcast. Um, and the best part is there's no ads. There's no ads because... It's it's it, there there are less ads I should say there's two ads there's an ad at the beginning and there's an ad at the middle of the podcast so if you want essentially uninterrupted listening you can do so by streaming the show on Spotify that's all okay now it is time for this a quick note about before we start watching quick note for all you cats um i had to cut out the audio portions of certain parts of the video anytime a song is playing i there's no audio and there's no audio because i did not want to deal with copyright strike takedown notices and things um, there's one section where the audio has been tweaked. It's been sped up and slightly distorted. Uh, and that is to possibly get, cause there's a little bit of music in the background. I'm not sure if it's going to trigger, uh, it's, I'm not sure if it's going to trigger things. If it does, that segment will eventually get trimmed out. Unfortunately, it's very interesting because it, you hear 
Irivan saying, well, we want people to be able to hear our, watch our videos the way they should be without having to deal with censorship. And that's why we have this box set out, something like that. So without further ado, let's watch the box set. We're going to comment along the way. Now, I'll, you know, you know, this is the time to comment, people, and I'll pop your comments up and I'll be talking along the way as well. Um, so I will be talking over the video. The goal is not to watch the video. The goal is to comment on the video. And so if you're if you're plussed that I'm talking over the video, that is why um, I can't claim fair right, a uh, uh, fair use otherwise. 